Now is the time to accelerate innovation. T-Mobile for Business is powering Formula One Las Vegas Grand Prix operations and epic fan experiences with secure, reliable 5G connectivity. Because an event this big and this fast deserves a network that can set the pace. See what our 5G advanced network solutions can do for your business at T-Mobile.com slash now. View 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Around the NFL podcast, loves baseball. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with some heroes. Chris Wessling to my left, Greg Rosenthal to my right. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. A little three-man weave today. Mark Sessler back in the infirmary. So hopefully get him back on Thursday. Well, he wouldn't have appreciated that money drop anyway. <laughs> no, that was teed up for him to make some type of dig about the length of the baseball season. Which could end uh, tonight. And I bet it, no matter what happens tonight in baseball, it'll have a little more uh, sizzle to it than this trade deadline. Mm, trade deadline Tuesday. Yes, we waited it out until it was clear. And yeah, in a year where there were 20 trades since week one, 103 trades in 2019 overall before Hubba Hubba. Mm. That 20 trades since week one is up from 11 last year. And, you know, we had a couple of big trades yesterday with a, a Jets-Giants trade for the first time ever, a notable running back on the move. You thought that some big monster happenings would go down in the final hour leading to the deadline with some big names. It just never happened that way. So uh, maybe not as an explosive a trade deadline, but still more fun than it used to be. Uh, yeah, I, I get the people are upset, but I remember the days when like Will Witherspoon, a random linebacker, was the biggest trade of the week, or Jonathan Casillas going to the Patriots. Right, we'll get to it, but the players that weren't traded were also very into it was interesting just to hear who was floated, who's trying to get rid of things. I think if the NFL really wanted to, and, and Kevin Patra, our old friend, uh, coming at you, you know, pointed this out, they would have to move. If they really wanted the trade deadline to sizzle, you'd push it back a little bit, and they have pushed it back, but it push it back even a little bit more. And the compensatory pick formula is really what's holding it down. Mm. So let's say Robbie Anderson, for instance, a guy the Jets really don't have much use for. I don't think they want to keep him next year. They'd be happy to trade him. But it, they, they're only going to get a fourth-round pick for him. Here's a starter. They're going to get a third-round pick in 2021 in the compensatory pick formula. So it just doesn't like make sense. Like Why do it? 
And I think that's prevented so do you, some of these trades. But what the reason that that policy is in effect yeah. is to protect teams that lose their assets against their own will, right? So it's not something we want to get rid of, right? It's also something people only use as an excuse sometimes. If they want to make a trade, they'll make a trade. I've Leonard not, Williams was part of that, and he got traded. I've never thought about it, but I think there is an argument that you could reduce the impact of all the compensatory picks at this point. It was made in a very different structure of the NFL where players really weren't changing teams and teams were so overprotected in terms of keeping all their great players. And that's fine, but maybe they want to be a little more like baseball and basketball and embrace uh, players leaving teams. It's happening anyways. All right. So we have a lot to get to. Coming up in today's show, we have, yes, the standard fair, the Monday night football recap. We have the Thursday night football preview week nine. Um, But we're going to dig in on other news, and there's some big news around the league, including a, I believe, seven-year starter whose reign is coming to an end uh, for his, uh, I believe it's the Midwest that he plays in, uh, <laughs> football team. We'll get to that. We have a, a Super Bowl MVP that is heading to the sideline. Is it an injury or is it a benching? Drums. A firing of, of an OC. Uh, the kicker corner. The club is going off. But first, let's get to the trade deadline news. All right. So what did happen? Let's start with the New York Jets, who were the team that was most in the news, both yesterday because they uh, made a trade, but today because of the names that were floated. Le'Veon Bell, reported by the Daily News, was being shopped. Never happened. Jamal Adams, reported by ESPN and then confirmed elsewhere, was on the move potentially. Uh, The Cowboys were very interested. Didn't happen, and we'll get into that in a bit. But let's start with what did happen. Leonard Williams, their former first-round pick um, of 2015, a very solid defensive lineman that never really lived up to the hype, which was J.J. Watt-esque at the time. Mm. Uh, He gets moved to the Giants for the first time ever. I kid you not, the Jets and Giants do a trade. So Williams doesn't have to move his house or his condo or whatever. He stays in town in Jersey. Uh, The Jets get back a third-round pick and a fifth-round pick for Williams, which feels like good uh, compensation considering uh, Leonard Williams is headed toward free agency and is also a guy that production-wise has not really popped and flourished the way people thought he would. Wes, uh, after the trade, as seems to happen every time the Giants make a, a sizey move in this league, people are scratching their heads and asking if Dave Gettleman knows what he's doing. Yeah, this whole run the ball and defend the run philosophy he's got going, the hog mollies, which he, you know, his philosophy going back to his Carolina Panthers days. I, I guess it's the fact that Leonard Williams is a free agent after this season, and he's going to a team clearly in rebuild that has people wondering what the hell was going on. I don't hate it for the Giants. I think the I, I like it for the Jets. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of a no-brainer. I'm sure in their in their dreams they would have gotten slightly more. He didn't have that sort of value because of what you said, Dan. That he's been a little disappointing and he's he's entering free agency. So they got the they took the best offer they could. They got some value for him. Good for the Jets. I don't mind it for the Giants because they're getting him for eight games, and you wouldn't do it unless you had a strong interest. I believe in re-signing him. And they get to see how he fits. And maybe they can unlock some of that potential that all these draft experts thought was can't miss. 
difference maker, quality starter. Best at, player in the draft. At the, at the very worst. And here's all they gave up. If he does leave, is a third and a fifth, and they probably get a third round pick in 2021 back in terms of the compensatory pick formula. So it's just a fifth to try him out. Now, I think in Gettleman's heart, he wants to pay Lenny, and he loves him. And he wants this, he wants Leonard Williams to play great the next eight weeks, and it, it I think there's a, it's fair to question whether they need him. They have Dalvin Tomlinson and Dexter Lawrence and B.J. Hill, uh, but Leonard Williams is maybe in his in his mind a better pass rusher. And so you're not giving up much to try what it's hard to get premium talent, and maybe Leonard Williams could still do it. He's 25 years old. Yeah, that's the thing. Where does he play? Like you said, they already have three guys. That's, I think that's another reason why people are like, what, why did you make this trade? He's playing defensive end in a 3-4, and he's starting. And you know, and so who gets benched? One of the other three guys that they kept well, telling BJ us was Hill's great? really more on the interior. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're rotating. It, it's defensive line. It, it is strange. Is he a guy that you want to give $16 million a year or whatever he's going to cost? That's probably the bigger question. I don't mind the trade because I think it was fairly low stakes for the Giants. I feel like if I, from the Giants side and Giants fans, and I'm friends with a lot of Giants fans that are asking the questions that a lot of people are asking, Leonard Williams really is, he could be a disruptor. He just has not piled up the numbers, but the Jets never did a good job. And we, this has become its own cliche. The Jets haven't had a real pass rusher since John Abraham in 2005. (laughs) Well, that's true. And maybe if you actually had an edge presence that would unlock Leonard Williams. However, that was not what you were supposed to be getting from Leonard Williams. You were supposed to be getting a guy that was a self-contained nightmare that would blow up the opposition game plans, and it just never happened. And the Jets were patient and waited and waited. And and we know Todd Bowles, not a great head coach, but he had him for multiple years yep. and couldn't get the best out of him. Uh, Greg Williams spoke highly of him this summer, couldn't get the best out of him. Perhaps the Giants do, but I think he might be just another guy. Right. He seems like a slight, uh, an above-average starter, though, which, yes, co- I which, think that's which costs a lot of money on the free agency market. So It's not what you hope to get with the number six pick overall in the draft, above-average starter. You hope to get a Hall of Famer. Absolutely. All right, and uh, so, yeah, I mentioned it. Jamal Adams, this report comes out a couple hours before the deadline that the Jets have made him available. And shortly after that, the Cowboys emerge as the team that they would do business with, potentially. And I saw a report, and I wish I could say who it came from, uh, but that the Cowboys were willing to offer a first, uh, but the Jets wanted more. It was also said that there was another report that the Ravens got in the mix and they were interested. That was Schefter. Okay, a little Jamal Adams, Earl Thomas uh, tag team. Interesting. But obviously that didn't happen because where we are now, and it's now 31 minutes after the trade deadline, we haven't heard anything about Adams moving. So he stays put. And um, there were a lot of questions, Greg, about this as well. Why would the Jets even think about moving Jamal, Jamal Adams? Uh, but... Uh, from what I have been following and certain beat writers that you learn to trust. Rich Samini, right? Rich Samini has been dropping breadcrumbs for weeks that there's been a change to Jamal Adams uh, this season. And this guy came into the league. Uh, this is his third season. He's known nothing but punishing losing, embarrassing losing. And he's an exuberant guy. And it's it's uh, there was some, you know, what happened that Monday night football game against the Browns where they benched him. And that was uh, embarrassing and a hit to his pride. He just... Perhaps this is a situation where he wanted a fresh start. Ryan Clark, um, former former NFL player who now is with ESPN, said he had spoken to Jamal Adams, who said that he wanted to go home to Texas and play for the Cowboys. So maybe even if this trade doesn't happen, 
that Jamal Adams, who was picked by the Mike McCagnan regime, will be moved eventually, mm. maybe in the offseason. But from my standpoint, I'm hoping this allows cooler heads to prevail because the Jets have a hell of a rebuild in front of them. Jamal Adams is a guy you want in your building to be part of that. Right. I mean, you're not going to get better trading away your great players. It's so hard to find them. Even your good players, and Jamal Adams, I think, is a step above that. It, it is fascinating that the Cowboys were willing to give up a first. That's been confirmed locally, uh, but it sounds like the Jets were holding out for two. I don't blame anyone here. I don't blame Jamal Adams for not really publicly, but having some frustration uh, with, with the Jets. I don't blame the Jets for seeing for shooting for the moon, but not dealing him, because I think that's what it should take to get a player like Jamal Adams. And the Cowboys, that, that's a lot. It's a lot to give up. You're asking a guy to learn your system in the middle of the year. That's a big swing. I think cooler heads did prevail. I just don't think there's any reason to trade Jamal Adams in the offseason either. If I'm a Jets fan, I want that coaching staff out of here. Don't get rid of my good players. Get rid of the coaches who have not proven to be great coaches. Well, and we heard. I'm with you. So we heard Le'Veon Bell was available uh, today. That was reported. Uh, not a nibble. Widely. Not a nibble. And this is why, and, and I don't want to keep piling on, but this is why we were so hard on the Jets when they fired McCagnan. Not for firing McCagnan, but the timing. That owners, if there's one thing NFL owners I feel like should have learned over the last 20 years, it's just like the one thing you got to do is just have your coach and your GM aligned and have them together. Whether they're hired together or one helps the hiring of the other, whatever it is, have that all work because this is what happens. Then... Then Gase and uh, Joe Douglas didn't want Bell. They just signed Bell. Uh, or, who knows about Mosley? Or they don't like that contract. And and that's why. It, but it, that starts back at the ownership level that the process leading into it didn't make sense. Uh, and it's too bad because I think Le'Veon Bell's still a good player. It's I just He's just paid a lot of money. There's a Jetsiness to the whole thing, too, right. because there is a scenario and a reality where the Jets are actually a halfway decent team this year, as many of us thought they would be, and they're in contention for the wild card. And then uh, in the offseason, Joe Douglas gets to start to massage the roster. Right. But with the Jets, it always seems to go whatever the worst case scenario was, which is in this case, the season goes down the toilet. Every move uh, has not worked out. And the biggest uh, potential uh, worst case scenario is exactly how it's played out. Jamal Adams is the golden boy, and if I was a Jets fan, my number one, I guess it would be my number one concern going into the year is don't ruin Jamal Adams. He's pure. Boy, and He's Sam, a leader. And Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Even on a, doing both, maybe. Yeah, but we haven't, I mean, yeah. he was out for a month, so we don't even know what's going on there. But Jamal Adams, the leadership he showed before this year on, on a bad team last year, playing 100% every week and leading by example, don't ruin that guy. That's all I want. He tweeted, actually, shortly before the deadline, it's in God's hands now. And I, this is a little exclusive from the old Zeuser. We have God on the line. God, are you there? Yes. It's me. God. This message is for Jamal. How's life? Like your ability? I gave that to you. Personality? It's great. You're welcome. To answer your question, I put you on this earth to save the Jets. That is God's plan. Long time listener, first time caller. 
I'll hang up and listen. Oh, I, I wanted a chance to ask God a question in the press conference. Yeah, he uh, he's off. He's I wanted to know if hiring Greg Williams was part of God's plan. <laughs> can we well, can we get him back on? <laughs> Try to get him back. I don't know if he has a number, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know about that. What's that, Wes? Was hiring Greg Williams part of your plan? I work in mysterious ways, Wes. Fair enough. Well, if this, if this is open for questions, I, I, got, I got one. <laughs> Sorry about the cancer. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so what's up with that that CBS show? You know, it's not a more efficient way to do things than friending people. I will send, send you, you to hell. That is my favorite program. I like the one with the fat guy and the other lady finding love. Bob Hart's Al Bashola. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an exclusive. That's the old Zeuser. That's getting the scoop. Who knew? All right. <laughs> Robbie Anderson stays put too. All right. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, Akib Talib. This one's weird. Well, not weird. It's one of those things that um, NFL junkies like a Rosenthal. They, they, they lap it up. Uh, the, the Rams send Akib Talib, their veteran cornerback who's on IR, and a fifth-round pick to the Dolphins in exchange for a late-round future draft pick. Uh, ESPN had this first. Greg, tell me the business behind this move. They're just buying a fifth-round draft pick, the Dolphins are, essentially. It's a salary dump. And I wondered if the Rams were, you know, there was a second move to come, but there wasn't. Seems awfully expensive to me. So he has $4.2 million left on his contract. The Dolphins are going to pay all of that. And all they get out of it is a fifth-round pick. As Charlie Cassidy pointed out, 20% of fifth-round picks ever start for their team. Hmm. Strange. Right. Don't tell GMs this, but the draft is only four rounds long. Right. Usually, yeah. And even the Rams are getting another pick back. Now, maybe they... Tlaib gets thrown into their compensatory pick formula because he's a free agent, so maybe you could get more, but he barely played this year. He's on injury reserve until mid-December and not likely right. to ever suit up for the Dolphins. Right. There's Someone said they think he might end up on Brian Flores' coaching staff next year. So that's why he did the trade? No, I don't think that's why they did the trade, but maybe he because would Because be, they were together in New England? Well, just saying they're close, and I, I guess Tlaib does have an interest in it. Um, but I don't, Well, this is the Dolphins' move. They've done the same thing with Robert Quinn and Ryan Tannehill, too. Just sold them. So that trade happened uh, today, Tuesday. On Monday, the Dolphins agreed to trade running back Kenyon Drake to the Cardinals in exchange for a conditional 2020 draft pick. Um, This is a deal that uh, was, you know, we saw it coming because Drake did not travel for Monday night football. And the Cardinals, Wes, are a team that has depth in that backfield. Of course, David Johnson is there. Chase Edmonds had a breakout week last week, but he just hurt his hamstring. David Johnson is banged up. So it's a crowded backfield, but a banged up one. Kenyon Drake enters the fray. Yeah, it's like a crowded backfield until late October, and then it becomes a vacant backfield, so they need a running back. I was hoping to see Kenyon Drake go to the Lions, who desperately need a running back. True. But in this case, the Car- good for the Cardinals, because it sounds like Chase Edmonds is going to be out a few weeks with the hamstring injury, and David Johnson, that back injury doesn't seem to be getting any better. I like the move for the Cardinals. Well, good for you and uh, Lakeisha, the paramour, who is making her Thursday night recap debut oh, this damn. week oh, with yeah. Cardinals 49ers. Thanksgiving and, night. And I mean, you, Halloween night. Yeah, you are helping Ugh. out the parents, in this case, specifically me, since it was my turn. 
uh, you know, and, and my kids taking them out for Halloween. Uh, who knows? I love Kenyon Drake. Shouldn't you guys have to do three Thursday nights in a row after Mark and I did the Redskins-Vikings game? I do. would that well, only be fair? In general, I do. That'd be three years in a row? I do owe one. Yeah, I know. I When I was watching that game at home with, with my kids, uh, I thought how you always say how I love every NFL game, and I was like, nope, not this one. <laughs> I don't love this game. Wasn't it last year that Mark was like, oh, Halloween's fine with his kids? Remember you were going to have a hard right. time? <laughs> <laughs> Thank so, you for bringing that. Up. So he can do that, uh, and then I can you go to out. Stick a fork for, in Halloween, as I remember. yeah for the West Hollywood parade. <laughs> you know, this is my time to dress up as almost a thirty-year-old too. You know, what a difference a year makes. Are you? What are you doing on Halloween? Well, they closed down all of West Hollywood, and there's like half a million people that go, you know, traipse the streets there. But you're going to be editing nice. the Thursday night recap. Now I'm going to have to figure that out, huh? Uh, you put that one on Eddie Spaghetti's plate. He's going to be at my apartment pre-gaming before that walk, so we're going to have to figure something out. So you guys are going to go out. Is there an you're intern gonna, or something? You're going to come up, publish it, and then go back out. Yeah. That's basically it. Yeah, but, you need an intern. I know. I need a couple. What happened to Cam Molina? <laughs> <laughs> Missed that guy. You, you're, you, are you going to have any drinks in your system when you're uh, editing this? No, of course not. That was a test. <laughs> yeah, of course not. <laughs> that was a Good test. answer. Of course not. Although Nor we wouldn't will judge I. you. No. There's no, shadowy would. league figures that would. But yeah, he, he, uh, shadowy league figures actually listen to this podcast. I, I, I don't drink at all anyway, so. Well, you know that's not true. Okay. <laughs> You're a real booze hound. <laughs> not true either. <laughs> uh, another trade. Mm. Gennard Avery? Yes. Gennard Avery. Uh, I thought it was Gennard. The Eagles acquired defensive end Gennard Avery from the Browns in exchange for a 2021 fourth-round pick. Uh, Avery is just in the second year of his rookie deal. He had four and a half sacks as a rookie. He was a fifth-round pick, so the Eagles add some uh, pass-rushing depth. Uh, but I guess John Dorsey, and this is not the first time we've seen it uh, in the last couple of weeks, uh, not afraid to cut ties with a draft pick he's not feeling. Got good value with a fourth-round pick. People thought Howie Roseman gave up a lot. This guy had 42 pressures last year. He didn't. They changed systems. This is the type of trade that should happen a little more. Sometimes guys get totally uh, stuck on a in a bad situation. He was playing a ton and played well last year. Wasn't playing at all this year. They they, they need some pass rush help. Watching Josh Allen stand back in the pocket last week has to be tough for the Eagles fans. He's a tweener. He's sort of a linebacker who's meant to be a pass rusher, but he's not built like a pass rusher, which made him have no home and the new defense. But like Greg said, looked good last year. Uh, staying put. Who who was rumored to move and didn't move other than uh, those Jets we talked about? Well, Chris Harris of the Broncos, that cornerback, that team's going nowhere, as we know. Uh, but the veteran cornerback, he does not get moved despite some uh, rumors that uh, they would look to uh, get something done. Uh, the big name left tackle Trent Williams, speaking of the Browns, there was, you know, I don't know if it was ever a real connection between the Browns and the Redskins on Trent Williams, but it made a lot of sense because the Browns need something to stabilize that offense, and perhaps a left tackle like Williams would be that. Uh, but Williams does not get traded, and immediately after the trade deadline, he reports officially to the Redskins. So I guess he waited and waited and waited and never wanted to play another snap for Washington, uh, but he decided to get his career moving and I guess toll his free agency and do all the things he needs to do to get the hell out of Dodge. He had to report to the team. That's how I read that. Yeah, a rap sheet, I believe, reported that the 
Redskins were asking about cornerback Denzel Ward, which was a non-starter, never had any chance of happening. And then J.P. Finley of NBC said that one source said, uh, on a Trent Williams move, the Redskins wouldn't take calls for months. So, quote, now nobody wants to bail them out. Hmm. Well, the, that that makes sense, though. The Redskins making these guys available at the last minute, especially Trent Williams, after saying no, no, no. They, they reportedly turned down a first-round pick from the the Patriots back in the day and supposedly there was a second round pick on the table and it almost felt spiteful that they just wanted to keep Trent Williams now knowing that he is showing up maybe they had some information or or thought that that was a strong possibility it was our very own D'Angelo Hall at NFL Network he's a colleague I don't know if uh Good friend. You you talk to him a lot. It's beyond colleague at this point. Yeah uh he he broke the news so I guess the Redskins won that stare down. I'm annoyed with that. Uh, they're they're going to trade him eventually. He's still not a free agent until 2021. He'll be 33. Maybe he, gone. maybe he heard, and this would be fair, that teams wanted to see how he looked after a series of pretty serious injuries. And that, That's would, for, yeah. that, and that would help his value and help his chances to get a new contract with a new team. Yeah, play a little. It is weird though this this whole like massaging. What do you think about like Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams showing up to work tomorrow? And, you I know, thought Nate, about Nate that Solders, too. another guy who sounds like they were shopping pretty aggressively. Jack Jan- Rabbit Jenkins, Janoris Jenkins, and it's kind of a new thing in the NFL that okay, Nate Solder. It's like we tried to deal you, but uh, go back. You know, it's just a strange situation for some of these players. I think it was Michael Scott who said somebody said Michael, it's it's not business, it's personal, and then he said business is personal. And that you wonder, like, when these guys do come to work, when they were aggressively shopped, if, if it makes them even more, you know, disenfranchised. Probably Little, with the Jets, that will be the case, exactly. I, you, can't, you can't help but get your feelings hurt. And, yeah, I, Michael Scott's right. Mm. Business is personal. He's always right. I'll, um, I'll t- never forgive uh, Ricky for when she tried to trade me off this podcast. <laughs> I thought that was ridiculous. The way, the way the like like work structure. What was it what was the? Uh, it didn't even make sense. What what were the particulars of the trade? I think like to the like for, they for a subscription to the athletic or something <laughs> like that. Just, just yeah, no one would go for it. it. Salary dump, basically. You you had as much value as Lev Bell on the market, <laughs> according to Rick. Uh, it was crickets. <laughs> Two more interesting names. OJ Howard did not get moved. It sounded like the Bucks wanted a lot for him. Move the quarterback. Keep the tight end. And Darius Slay, who. The free press, Detroit free press, seems to think is going to be gone one way or another in mm. the offseason. That he's priced himself out. Uh, they're not going to re-sign him to a long-term deal. I think his deal is up after um, next year. So I think they just decide they're going to trade him in the offseason, right. according to the free press. Apparently they tried to get Chris Harris too, but uh, their offer was not good enough. In non-trade deadline news, today, Tuesday... October 29th is Andy Dalton's 32nd birthday. Mm. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy (laughs) birthday. Egon. Egon. Andy Dalton is being benched by the Cincinnati Bengals. Good job, Ricky. Rookie fourth round pick. <laughs> Ryan Finley is taking over the 0-8 Cincinnati squad. Zach Taylor had this to say about the decision to move away from Dalton, who has been the guy there since he was drafted in the second round back in 2011. 
And the hard thing now is when you're 0-8 um, and you make a quarterback switch, people tend to look at the quarterback and say he was the problem, and that's the furthest thing from the truth. Um, he's done a lot of things to, to keep us going here, and, and he's invested a lot of um, time and effort and energy into getting us a win, and it hasn't happened. It's unfortunate because um, he's represented this franchise the right way over the last nine years, and, and uh, he's been everything you would have asked in that regard. And so, um, again, not an easy day, not an easy conversation, but it was my decision. End of an era. I mean, we, it, since this podcast has started, Andy Dalton has been. I miss Andy Dalton. Since um, you know, a guy we look to for stability, to tell us how the other quarterbacks in the league should be measured. But even two years before we started this podcast, he's been starting. I mean, 20, 2011, as you guys may remember, what was he taking two picks ahead of Colin Kaepernick? That was a con- or two picks at, and it was a controversial thing that you know, the Bengals were maybe going to take Kaepernick. Didn't happen. There, there's some ropes. Jay Gruden wanted Andy Dalton. Right. The, that was the, the true controversy around Colin Kaepernick and his career. I feel. <laughs> right. I mean, those are some roads diverging. I think it makes a lot of sense though, because Ryan Finley looked good in the preseason. This is where the preseason does matter. Sometimes you can, as a rookie quarterback, especially, you can plant a, a little flag or put a bug in your, your coach's ear. If you look that good, then you give your team an option when, when you're 0-8 and they're clearly ready to move on from Dalton next offseason. And yet they're putting him in a position to fail. And I get that this is part of the reason why they didn't want to trade A.J. Green because they want to give him a real shot over hmm. eight games to see what he can do. But, you know, Andy Dalton's been playing with a historically bad rushing attack. Uh, he's got a career backup guard playing left tackle. The center they drafted in 2018 is playing guard and got one of the best, one of the worst grades I've ever seen at Pro Football Focus last game. His number one receiver's out. I mean, I don't know how it happened that I got stuck as the Andy Dalton defender in this room. But does anybody really believe he's a worse quarterback now than he's been his entire career? He's in his athletic prime where his mind is catching up with his body. He's 32. This is when quarterbacks are hitting their stride in the NFL in 2019. No, I think he's fine. He's the same guy. You're not alone. Okay. I've always been on board the Andy Dalton Express in terms of you could do a lot worse. If Mark was here, he'd be he'd be crowing right now. But yeah, I mean, this is what we've always talked about, right? And that that stat that I think Andrew Siciliano tweeted out before the London game that Dalton is now the first quarterback in the history of the NFL to start a season both 8-0, which was in 2015, when he had a great offensive line and a really good uh, set of skill players around him, and now 0-8 in 2019 when he has none of that. Mm. And he's just not he, – he'll never be the, the guy. the same guy. Yeah, he's never going to be – like you could put Deshaun Watson in this situation. I'm just throwing Watson out there. And I would say Cincinnati might have two or three wins. But Dalton is not that guy. And you could hold it against him if you want, but I think he might have good football left in him if he just ends up in a good spot. Hopefully he is with a better team next year. Right, everyone can it thought well, well you know trade him to the bears <laughs> he would help this bears team i think i think he i think he would have this year i mean i think he's he could upgrade a team he has been sacked 29 times that's five more than he was his entire rookie season in 16 starts it's eight more than he was in the entire 2014 season in 16 starts he's also leading the league in completions and attempts they're, they're just cuz they have the worst running game ever i don't think he's this is how you this is how you set a quarterback up to fail right but I also don't see the harm. I think if you're going to be a good quarterback, well, they're not going to. You're not going to. Your career's not going to be ruined because you're in a tough situation. Look at all the. You've always said that. I just disagree with you. But look because at, of all the great quarterbacks who are ruined by bad situations. But I don't think they would have been great quarterbacks. Like even guys. But who, a lot of people who do this for a living think that that's balderdash. So guys, like you couldn't have had a worse situation <laughs> nice. than Alex Smith. 
And he ended up being what Alex Smith Looking was going to be. You could never have a worse situation than Eli Manning. And Eli Manning ended up being what Eli Manning was so going to be. So that's anecdotal. And those aren't like even, you, you those pick aren't and even, choose the guys that you want and you like, and you say they survive. We so do that all the time. Survive. Yeah. No, but you say because Eli Manning did it, then Tim Couch should have done it too. Well, he got hurt. And that's fair. Maybe it, it's a it's increasing a chance for Finley to get injured behind this offensive line. That would be the biggest concern. This is the best thing that has happened to Andy Dalton in years. So he doesn't end up blowing out his knee or getting his leg broken or uh, having his elbow contorted in a way that leads to reconstructive surgery on a terrible team that messes up his value going forward. You know, it, hopefully this kid does some things, stays in the lineup. That franchise has something to look forward to or think about. And Andy Dalton gets a fresh start. I And I liked Finley in the preseason. I thought he was as impressive as any of the rookies. The only man that could bring you back to the Bengals. You, you've carried that Finley flag. No, he, he, I don't even think he has like he has a below average arm for an NFL starter. So I wouldn't get my hopes up. But I do agree that this is a fine time to take a look at him, except for the fact that you're setting him up to fail with the surrounding talent. I know Balderdash is a, a popular board game, but I've never seen it used uh, in basic conversation. So kudos to Wes. And for those of you like me that wanted a, uh, a definition, senseless talk or writing, semicolon nonsense. Well done, Wes. <laughs> Have you played the board game? I, I don't know. if Maybe I've played it. I'm not sure. I feel like it's the same game and it got rebranded as categories a couple years later. Okay. Mm. that You know what? That rings a bell. Joe Flacco is out of the lineup in Denver uh, a, a day after he comes out and rips uh, the Broncos game plan in a week eight loss. We learn that he has a neck injury that is going to cost him time. He will not be playing in week nine against the Browns. It will be Brandon Allen, who was claimed off waivers on September 1st from the Rams, who will start. Drew Locke, who is recovered the second round pick. You know, not only is Joe Flacco's neck injury sound ominous, you know, 35-year-old quarterback has discs slipping all over the place. Also ominous is the second round pick who is now healthy uh, and the quarterback whisperer, laugh, laugh, ha ha, chuckle, chuckle, John Elway, publicly stating, we're not ready to say whether we want him to play this season. Okay, sounds like a, a a great situation right there. Anyway, so Brandon Allen starts, Flacco on the shelf. I didn't I didn't make much of this. Um, I saw Flacco getting his neck worked on during that game, and then I saw him take an absolute punishing hit. It was like the Leonard Marshall on Joe Montana hit from the 1990 playoffs, and I said, oh, his neck is probably in 14 different pieces. That's probably what did it. Greg, on the other hand, in the newsroom threw out an alternate theory that this is all hokum to borrow. No, I didn't it's all balderdash. What, they sent him to Jalen Ramsey's doctors? That that the, no. the Broncos, I'm not saying this is what you're saying, but you, you could connect dots that it's a qu- not, maybe not a coincidence that he buries the team on Sunday and is out of the lineup on Monday. Yeah, he buried the coaching staff and suddenly he's benched. He said he suffered the injury. He first suffered the injury two weeks ago and, and they played through it. Well, it's natural to be skeptical, right? Considering the circumstances. I, but I but Rap ask, Sheet said... Oh, do you have, no, no, it, go ahead. Rap Sheet said that he's going to get a second opinion on his neck because the first one wasn't good. That tells me that he's legitimately injured. Could be out five to six weeks, according to Rap And that, in, that last hit of the game was absolutely brutal. It reminded me kind of of a sports movie. You know, they always like go a little too hard. You know, if you watch Friday Night Lights, every hit is the most vicious like, oh, hit you've ever, like helicopters. Ever, <laughs> ever seen. But that's what that last hit for Joe Flacco looked like. Hmm. I was uh, watching that yesterday. His body so there's like nine inward. seconds to play when he gets sacked. 
and the offensive linemen are staggering back to the line of scrimmage, trying to get one more desperation playoff. And I'm looking all over the screen, looking for Joe Flacco. I couldn't even find him. I think Flacco just walked to the locker room. After he got up. I don't think he even tried to get back to the line. I could have easily missed him, but I, it, it did and on the condensed mode, uh, a blink and you miss it scenario. I could not find Joe Flacco. I thought maybe he was blasted into hell by the hit. Wow. It, was, it was that type of shot. I mean, we're, they're starting Brandon Allen here. It's only October that they're making this move. They, yeah, I know I, Mark likes to look for teams to you know, are, say are taking a dirt nap, but this feels like it's week 16 that Brandon yes. Allen is starting for them already, and there might be no hope of Drew Locke even coming back. Speaking of Mark, I have a bit of a Sessler. Maybe we've seen the last of Joe Flacco ever. Made a ton of money. He's got his ring. He's in decline. Uh, Joe, he's, I like he's dabbled in acting. That Johnny Unitas movie that never got oh, off the ground. Yes. Uh, maybe Joe <laughs> he Flacco. The he looked the part. Is one of those guys that doesn't hang on and walks away. But uh, I like just a Sessler. People like Rap Sheet are saying he's couching his his words. This could be the end of his Broncos career. And Hansis is going one step further. This could be the end of his NFL. No triple career. sourcing here. This is just. Well, I reached out. To, I reached out to Rap Sheet, which I which I'll do. I'm trying to find the real story here. And then just present it. Ever as reveal I, like, your sources, a, you know, Insider 101. You know, well, it's fine. It, it, he says what's on or off the record. No response on this one. So sometimes, <laughs> you, sometimes you read between the lines. This was too hot for him. He didn't want to bury oh, his own. he didn't reply to you? He didn't reply to me. I was <laughs> like, so are they just benching him because he, he talked about them? So no, I need fine. to know what your final stance on this. You still believe it's hokum? No, I think there's enough evidence. I don't want to impeach He's jacked up, but they're not, not going to miss him after that. No, I agree with that. They're ready to turn the page, and he'll end up on IR. You'll see Brandon Allen for a start or two, and then you'll see Drew Locke. Hey, come on, Drew Locke. Well, it's not his – he is not under control, but come on. Hey, come on. Put him in the game. If you want to give it a couple of weeks and get him more practice reps, the idea that you might just keep him out of action until 2020 – Mm. Nobody's puts even more heat on. Uh, <laughs> puts even more heat on Freddie Kitchens. You better go beat Brandon oh. Allen on Sunday. Go win a ball game. You can't. You, Browns cannot go lose to Brandon Allen. Or that that Browns game with Mark not here. I better. I, I should get this in. They. We hear for a week how they're going to show up with a new mindset. I know it's the Patriots, but they have three consecutive turnovers at one point and commit like forty-seven penalties. That team's a mess. <laughs> <laughs> Get all of your Browns talk uh, out now. The only concern is that um, <laughs> Mark's wife, Simone, who listens to every show, could report that back to Mark. That's the That's concern. a danger. All right. Um, the Chargers fire o- offensive coordinator Ken Wisenhunt after three years with the team. Uh, this comes uh, during a time when the Chargers are 3-5, and five, ranked 17th in total offense, 23rd in points per game. Um, you know, they were great offense for stretches uh, for most of last year, but it has not gotten going. And, and with Melvin Gordon, not to put too much on Melvin Gordon, but since he's returned, it's gotten even worse. In fact, they won with a little over 200 yards of total offense on Sunday, and that was the first time that the Chargers had won with that little that amount of offense in like seven years. So they were very lucky, uh, and they're making a change. I think the quarterback coach is taking over. Shane Striken, is that his name? And Anthony Lynn taking, you know, a, a big part in it. I think it, just reading between lines, seems like there were some philosophical differences between Wiz and Hunt. Egon. And Lynn, but the offense hasn't been as big a problem as the defense. They've been an average offense in terms of, you know, efficiency, DVOA, and they've been one of the worst five or six defenses 
in the league. Their rush running game, which is what Anthony Lynn kind of cut his teeth in. He was a running backs coach. He played the you know fullback, played the position too. They are the first team since the 1946 Detroit Lions, and then the, the only team other than the Card Pit Card Steelers of 1944. The carpets. The carpets. Hmm. Are you aware of those? They, they, they com- had to combine teams during the war because they didn't have oh, enough players. Behind the stuff. Cardinals and the Steelers. The first team since then to rush for under 40 yards per game for four straight games, which happens to be when Melvin Gordon returned. I mean, that's crazy. Also, when Mike Pouncey <laughs> got injured, their starting center. But, yeah, Melvin Gordon, again, playing like 2018 Leonard Fournette is not helping. I don't think it's crazy at all to wonder about Philip Rivers' future. I've been doing it. It's a lot of streets all, are talking all he's talking. season. He's a free agent. We need Dan to get more out of Matt Money. Wizenhunt and Rivers was. I'll say nothing. Rivers <laughs> and Wizenhunt were very close. Rivers credited Wizenhunt with turning his career around in his first. Ooh, I like where this is going. They they're so close that Lynn kept Wizenhunt after Mike McCoy was fired, which is pretty rare. So Wizenhunt's coached Rivers in for the Chargers in two different cities and three different head coaches. That's how close they are. It just does make you wonder if maybe both sides or, or Rivers specifically will, you know, push to get out. A lot he's of... He's a free agent. A lot of dot connecting going on. A lot, a lot of people saying that... It'd be weird. They're moving into a new stadium. They're, they're, they're a team to watch. I mean, he's he's right behind Eli at this point, though. Come on. I think he's playing fine. He's not He's not great. He's better than, he's, obviously better now than Eli was before he left, but he doesn't have but much he's a time fran- left. But he's a franchise legend. Um, you know, he's one of the best. He's, he's certainly the best, you know. What does that mean for the Chargers that right, be a franchise a, legend? It's a fair point. They, I don't know if they even care. Team. That is a fair point. I mean, he's probably sick of making that commute up from San Diego. I think he's making the worst. Well, before Okun came back, he was making the worst tackle situation in the league look kind of just mediocre. Finally, let's uh, head behind the velvet ropes. You know, I'll always get you guys into the kicker club. Mike Nugent yacked it on on, uh, Sunday for the Patriots. He knew he was done. And he is done. He was released by the Belichick's. Replaced by Nick Falk. Falk hero. Falk hero. I thought he was like one of those like kicking analysts for CBS <laughs> or something. Now. Like the next Jay Feely? I had no idea he was still one of the... You haven't heard his name pop up once in these traveling kick... You know, it's always the same guys working out everywhere. Yeah, the carnival's in town. You haven't heard anything about Falk. Well, he hasn't been in the league for two years. That's what I thought. Okay, I just checked, yeah. What and the he hell only, is going on here? He only here? played four games in 2017. So he last really played a season for your Jets in What could go wrong? And the Jets moved on because he couldn't kick anymore, Greg. It's concerning. I like it's, this. You know, I love it. You know I your like situation. This. Your season's in a weird place when you're when you're mad you missed out on Young Way Koo. I was like, darn, the Falcons stole Koo. Young, I wanted that story. Uh, you did. I love it. Young Way Koo goes to the Falcons who replace uh, Matt Bryant, the 45-year-old. Keep that club music going. We're still banging. Out. Greg's got to get to a haircut, but we can't leave the, clo- the club yet. Have you noticed, Wes? Greg keeps looking at his phone. Oh, yes. Gotta... I'm not. I, <laughs> yeah. I got a two-and-a-half-minute voicemail, and I'm thinking, who leaves a two-and-a-half-minute voicemail? Is this serious? What is happening? Matt Bryan had a bad game uh, for the Falcons. Everything else who was wrong. Who left the voicemail? We're in the kicker club. I don't know. It's a number I don't recognize. It's too loud. Can't hear you. <laughs> Matt Bryan out Atlanta, Young Way Koo in. And I, my final thought before we leave the club is, you know, I joke about Kai's Kai and the report I got on Kai and... How if you have to explain 
Kai Forbath's personality, it's, well, you know, Kai's Kai. How is he not getting a job? Nick Folk is in a retirement home, and they bring him out. Matt Bryant was Throwing literally on a key. golf course, and the, and the Falcons brought him back. Yeah, I, I, you got to go with, give Kai a chance. Where are the, where are the protests about Kai being blackballed? Maybe your report has contributed to the blackball. Yeah, that's fair. There's I hate to think that, but street, streets are talking. Yeah. It's nice to see. Uh, hey, it's nice to see Youngway Koo back in the league. If if you weren't listening a couple Don't years blink. ago, the South Korean kicker who had a very rough start with the Chargers, but it was short. It was just a couple games. Maybe it's good that he's in the NFC South for a oh, sleepy team this. in a dome. That's a, I'm glad he's. They iced the him like chance. three games into his career. Right. Keisha's mom was so upset by that. Right, so I'm I'm glad uh, that he's back. This is your strong ties to Asian culture. I mean, that, that's what this is about. That is and a, that's fine. That's a stretch. <laughs> that that would be related to this particular uh, topic. Although I do, you know. You can't go wrong in Koreatown. The more the more I live in LA, the more I go. I would say we're at a, we're at every other week at this point. You know, there's a reason why like Paulie O'Neill was a big hit with uh, you know the large Irish contingent of New Yorkers. I mean, you have a connection to Koo. Not really. He's your Paulie O'Neill. Hey, Paulie! <laughs> you know, Paulie's Irish. Like that guy. All right. I'm going to Koreatown to get some good food. There you go. Great food. Greg actually pointed me in the direction of a wonderful place a few weeks back for my wife's birthday. And I went all in. Even with that soup, that's 450 degrees, and you have to wait like an hour for it to cool down, and then you put the egg in it. You break the egg and put the egg into the soup, and it cooks within the soup and just adds texture. And oh, Sounds delicious. exotic. What is the name of that place for any Los Angeles listeners, Greg? That's BC Du Tofu House. Oh, yeah. go to, there's one in New York, too. Uh, it's not, it's nothing fancy. But it's a food, tofu it's house? Tofu uh, no, but it, it's still bar. It's still All barbecue. Sorts of meat, meat and stuff. Agassi Gopchang is a really great Korean barbecue, barbecue place, too. Agassi Gopchang? Gop oh, okay. It's unreal. All right. Good to know. All right. Monday night recap. Uh, let's hit that. Over the middle, running free. Deontay Johnson, 30, 25, 20. He's at the 15. He's at the 10. Steps out of a tackle and gets into the end zone. Wow. A 45-yard touchdown pass. And when Miami brought the kitchen sink, the whole middle of the field looked like the Red Sea. Oh, Brian Flores, the Steelers Radio Network with a call. Uh, Booger McFarlane, you know, a little up and down in that booth. But he, to his credit, he was all over that. The, the Dolphins send the house on a third and forever near midfield late in the second quarter. A zero blitz, a Belichick special. And the Steelers are like, what? Okay. And they hit the wide open uh, receiver who waltzes into the end zone. And that turned a 14-3 deficit into 14-10, I believe. You're right. And that was it. The game was kind of shifted at that moment. The Steelers controlled the second half. 27-14 win. So the Dolphins dropped to 0-7. Uh, the organic fish tank lives on. And in this case, Greg, they get out to a 14-zip start, and Mason Rudolph looks terrible, uh, indecisive, holding the ball, throwing it to terrible uh, situations. And yet, the Steelers were able to right the ship before disaster. Yeah, I have not understood the optimism surrounding the Steelers in Pittsburgh that they're going to rally and be like a nine-win team because of their quarterback position. I guess they've won three out of four after 0-3, but I, I'm with you. Na- yeah, and that they're was playing the wrong team. guy. Right, it's because, it's because I don't trust Rudolph, who, yeah, 
it did warm up and played fine in the second half. Played that well. Final the- score was lipstick on a pig. They have a major quarterback problem, and I don't think they know it. He he is inviting pressure. He's a great example of that. Sacks and QB hits is are more on the quarterback than they are on the offensive line when when you're just looking at the stats because he was holding the ball forever, getting per- great protection all night like every team does against the Dolphins, and he was inviting hits. Well, there's the old Greg Cosellism that there are anticipatory passers and then there are quarterbacks who need to see the guy flash open before he throws it. And Rudolph is a see-it-before-he-throws-it passer, but he compounds the problem by by seeing it and then still throwing it to guys who aren't open. Mm. I don't think it's the last of Devlin Duck Hodges. I I, did, I, I was, think we're going to see him start games. I could not believe we didn't hear more talk of whether Hodges should be starting over Rudolph in the weeks leading up to this game because the offense has moved so much better with mm-hmm. Hodges in there. And Rudolph has a better arm, no question about it. But it, to me, it's quite the conundrum to be in when the guy you hand-selected as the quarterback of the future is playing worse than an undrafted free agent. And the, uh, the stakes are... The Dolphins get your top five, six pick overall if you finish in the top five or six because you are playing the wrong quarterback. That was what was fun. I thought this was going to be one of those games, kind of like an ugly, beautiful, weird game. Fitzpatrick came out playing awesome. And he's done that a couple right. times, but man, he was on fire to start the game. He was so decisive. He knew where the pass rush was going. He knew where the blitzers was going. It was just fun. And I'm thinking, ooh, this is going to be fun. Maybe the Dolphins get their first win or something crazy happens. And they own the Steelers pick, so if ever they're going to win a game, this is like the game <laughs> to do it. And then Nick O'Leary, that was where it really started. <laughs> Dropped a pass that hit him in the chest. That's what set up that third and 20. The Dolphins were driving to build yeah. on a 14-3 lead. And then they cut Nick O'Leary the next day. I do I do feel for the spiteful cut the next day because who knows. You hate he, emotional uh, GM work. Well, I'm just saying record. like that might be that might be his last moment in the NFL. You don't even know. And he has either way, he's sitting with him. He's an Irishman, though. You got to like him. That he turned the game around with a drop and then you get fired. If they cut all the guys who dropped Ryan Fitzpatrick's passes last night, they wouldn't right. have an offense. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Mason Rudolph, he, he gets off the mat and at least allows the Steelers to have a shot. They're 3-4 and four now. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I feel like this is like a seven-win team maybe. But with... Maybe. Defense maybe. is so good. The offense it's put fine. them in bad places it's last night and fine. the defense played really good well. De- you know what? Good. I just... Like the Panthers game was a good reminder. Good defense is not enough because good defenses they just, they only can beat up on bad teams. Like good de- a good off a really good offense is still going to move the ball in the Steelers, especially with some of the injuries. Would you be have. shocked if they beat the Colts at home next week? I wouldn't be shocked, but I'll be picking the Colts. What's the difference between the Bills and the Steelers right now? They're I would still take uh, the offense in Buffalo in in Josh Allen. Yeah. Speaking of picks, you want to do a little? Yeah, you should gloat. I certainly would. What? Oh, uh, yeah. Picks. I went fifteen and zero this week. What? That's really good. Spread on your column that you do on the on the picks. That's Haven't good. been very that, good this season. Wow, this it's not the spread season. or anything, but you know what? Twelve and three. And I put the, the modern scores NFL in twelve and three against the spread. That's oh, even, nice. That's even better. I think. Nice work. In the modern Greg. NFL. I don't care what you're doing to pick the right team is almost impossible. There have been weeks. I believe there was a week where the favorites, according to the desert people, went two and ten. Right, this was outright. Not, not this covering. was not one of those weeks. I think there were yeah. two or three upsets. And well, congratulations, Greg. Nice well, work. What do you get for that, by the way? Nothing. Nothing. You get to all. keep right. What about Andrew column? Hawkins? He's going to give you some pop on your show. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it on game debut. All right. Nice work. <laughs> um, 
James Conner had a huge game and left the game with a shoulder injury of some kind. He looks so good. He looks so much better now than he did in September. Best case scenario, though, because it looked like it could have been a clavicle or something, something that would ruin his season when he left late in the game. But I believe he practiced in a limited capacity or is planning to practice They expect him. And, to, yeah, they expect him to go. So not anything too serious. So uh, the Dolphins fall to 0-7. And the Gase Bowl, you know, I'll be taking that high in the draft on Thursday's show. Dolphins versus Jets. That might be the Dolphins' best chance to get a W, these two matchups against the Jets, if they even want one. Remember, Rich Eisen, Rich Eisen had the theory on the show <laughs> the Jets would spitefully out-tank the Dolphins and then not let them take their, their blessed Tua, uh, the quarterback from Alabama. I don't really watch. Yeah. Yes. Good. Um, I love that as a possibility. The Dolphins are, point. I think the Dolphins are going to win a game. You know, I, and I'm glad I didn't note this on Twitter, but the Dolphins at halftime of uh, last week's game had outgained their opponents for the last 10 quarters. That's not, you know, since their bye week, they had outgained their opponents. I mean, they've been okay. competitive. They've been, a, a, they're not good. I just think they'll win a game because it's hard to lose all 16. That's all. Okay, that's fine. And then we saw in the second half of the Steelers game that their offensive line is so so far below even the teams with bad offensive lines. It's it's not even preseason caliber. It's It's like CFL caliber. But they're so much better than they were in week one. I I feel like they're getting a win in the next couple weeks. They're playing with some energy. And they get the, the Jets twice. They get the Bengals. I feel like they'll find a win in one of those games. All right, uh, let's move on to Thursday Night Football Week 9. The San Francisco 49ers 7-0. and How great were the Niners? That they moved up in the old Zeusers' power rankings past the Saints from 3-2. to two. And I know some people say they should be number one, and I get that because uh, they, they were that dominant and they've been that dominant this year. Uh, but they are looking to extend to 8-0, and and they are traveling to Glendale to face the Arizona Cardinals, who, of course, came down to earth with that loss to the Saints. However, however, as John Sterling would say, um, if you watch that game, you know, they put a pretty good fight against the Saints. It got away from them, of course, as the final score will tell you. Uh, but that decision to go for it on fourth and one from their own 30, loved the onions of it all. But once they missed that in the third quarter, 10-6 became 17-6, and 17-6 quickly turned into 31-6. So the Cardinals had some some fight in them in that game, but they did get wiped. Well, I think their, their defense, you know, they gave up a lot of yards, but they've got better players now. Patrick Peterson's back, and some people believe Chandler Jones is having another all-pro type of season. That guy's been phenomenal ever since he's been in Arizona. You've got some players on that defense, and Kyler Murray, again, keeps doing a little bit better than I expect him to do. He, he, I like the fact that he's in prime time. It's a very tough matchup. You're starting Kenyon Drake probably at running back. But he plays smart. You know, they've only had four turnovers the whole season. The Arizona Cardinals easily the that is shocking. The team that's that's impressive, you know, giving it away the least. They haven't fumbled the they haven't lost a fumble the entire season. I don't even think they've actually fumbled. Forget just losing it. Well, isn't that a, that is a ridiculous stat? So that's, if you've seen the 49ers play this year, you would say regression to the mean hits them in a big way on Thursday night. You would think so. They do have Chris. Oh no, you're so right. <laughs> well, you're right. Yeah, it, 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 nine turnovers. Christian on the way. Kirk is back though, and you have Fitz and Murray's pretty fun. To watch, and the you know what the 49ers make blowouts fun. They're just so good right now. They have so many good players with Bosa. I think Sherman's Richard Sherman sort of having an underrated. Hello, Witherspoon's you having would, a you good. You would think game. Richard Sherman playing like a Pro Bowler would be 
be getting more attention, but maybe it's the front line making them look better. But he's of course he's played he's played great, and they kind of remind me. You know, they remind me a little bit of the Jim Harbaugh Forty ers where they're just got a bunch of like big physical athletes at a lot of positions. Even Debo Samuel at wide receiver, he he's an athlete. Tevin Coleman's so fast. It's like he doesn't even know what to do with his speed. They've just got athletes everywhere. He knows what to do with it. I, Run to the end. Zone. I know, but sometimes he almost seems Four like times. Sometimes <laughs> it seems game. like he's running so fast he can't control it. I love that. <laughs> this was, has to be the cornerback's dream to play in this defense, sure, right? Sure. There was one moment in the previous Cardinals game where Kyler Murray West lost his helmet, and it was like in uh, Indiana Jones when the boulders rolling towards Indy. <laughs> Everybody just getting out of the way. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, that, it's the magic hat from Frosty. Just two left, two feet jumping around. Um, all right. That's it. Good show. Fun show. We'll be back Thursday to preview the rest of the games. And yes, that will be Halloween. Um, so Wes and Lakeisha from West Manor will handle... Uh, the game we just previewed, so that will be something to check out. From NFL Uncorked headquarters. <laughs> Is that what it... That's what we're branding in the it. The naming rights? That it been, made sense. Yeah, NFL Uncorked headquarters. That's good. That's he, good. It, I mean, he knows where his bread is buttered. Every time I've mentioned NFL Uncorked, I get a thank you text, so I mean, who knows what he's getting. <laughs> I think I know. <laughs> ah! <laughs> All right, let's go. Dan Hans is signing off for the mailman. The old boss, Ricky Hollywood, behind the glass. Oh, she's going to have fun. Speaking of, ah, Halloween in West Hollywood? Let's fly. Till Thursday. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.